Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. And welcome back to Meeting of the Minds. Today I'm here with the great Butch Hildebrand. Butch, thanks for joining us. Oh, I appreciate it. Thanks for the, the intro. I'm not sure great is the actual term, but um, I'll take it, man. I'll, t- I'll take it. It's an East Coast intro. <laughs> great. Great stuff. So I wanted to pick your brain about your expertise on sales, on leadership, on life. So take it from the top, right to the point. What are some of your big philosophies of leadership and sales that you think make a champion? Um, look, so the, I mean, obviously we're going to get into this thing called mindset, right? Like, why do I think that mindset wins? Um, and I, I, my whole life, I, I grew up son of a son of a wrestling coach. He was an English teacher and all this other stuff. And he, he told me the only thing I didn't want to, I didn't want me to do is get into business, which is that's all I'm in. Right. So, um, but I also had really good coaches around me that said, you, you not follow your passions, but actually take the hard road, do the hardest thing first, work and work and work at the hard things and get the, the other stuff is easy, right? Um, what do I look for? You know, I just got off a meeting. We're talking about empowering, uh, empowering people and trust and education and, and process. Um, it, it, as crazy as this sounds, when I look at, look at mindset training, I have to trust a process, right? I also have to trust my ability or um, embrace maybe my lack of ability. Like, where do I know I need to get better? And I think that that hard check in the mirror every day, whether it's a check of the scale or whether it's a check in the mirror, or whether it's a check in your sales numbers is really something you need to hold yourself accountable to. So, you know, the idea with me from a sales perspective and, and how do I train and how do I lead and how do I build a, you know, a business is really, do I trust the people that I'm working with or do I trust the people that work for me? Um, do I trust my clients or customers and do I trust their process? And if I don't really, do I trust them in my gut to say, are they going to work as hard as I'm going to work? Are they going to embrace the hard thing first? And if I find them, it's gold every single time. If I find customers that 
are, you know, on the fence about something, I'm like, listen, you're either all in or, uh, or absolutely out. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, for me, it's, it's, it's very simple. Do I trust them? And then if I trust them, then I should be able to empower them. And if I can empower them, we can do some really awesome things together. Makes a lot of sense. Makes a lot of sense. And as you said about the word trust, that's big. I speak about competence, obviously, all the time to people. And a lot of people don't realize that the Latin roots to the word trust or to competence are com fidere, which means to trust. So competence and trust go hand in hand. They're basically not know that. That's, I'm going to use it later. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's great. You know, it's like one of these things. I mean, I'm in a trust driven industry. I mean, I'm in sales and in the part of sales that I'm in is uh, driven on basically lack of trust. So I can come in and say, this is who I am. This is who I represent. And this is why I'm doing it. Trust me or don't trust me. I, that's my job. Get, they're going to trust me at the end of the day. I'll be brutally honest with them. Um, but if I can establish that trust, then, then we can understand each other. At least that I know I'm not getting, you know, a bunch of lines of sales, whatever. And I'm like, no, let's just work. And part of that is, do they want to work? And I'm not saying like, do they want to make money? Everyone wants to make money. Do they want to put the time in? Do they want to work? And you can establish that pretty quickly. And it's like, you know, some, some questions you can ask about like, oh, I mean, as easy as uh, did you work out today? Or what do you do for fun? Or this, that, and the other. And like, no, no, I'm like, this person doesn't want to work. And it's not, I mean, I mean they don't. And if, if you get them, I'm, I pump the brakes a little bit. Like, are they going to put the time in? I don't know that they are. And, and if I get them to, to the point where I feel like they are going to put the time in, I'm all in right now. Awesome. And speaking of that, putting the time in, you told us a great story. We met with you a few weeks ago. You came to New York City. You met with me and my brother, Jeff. And you told us a story about camp, camping out at someone's house or out to, yeah. outside on the property. What was no. that about? It wasn't, it wasn't someone's house. It was actually uh, uh, my boss. So I, I was it, it, like, I didn't have any money and, and I wanted to really be successful. And I didn't really know, I didn't really know how to get there. I was brand new at a brand new job. So I bought a $39 tent at Dick's Sporting Goods and I slept at night on the property of the business without letting anybody know. The, the reason I did that was like, there was like 10 reasons behind it, but I had unlimited cable, internet, phone, and snacks in the office, and I had 24-hour day access. I also figured out that the leads in the company dropped off at about 4 a.m. So if I was the first person in the company of a couple thousand to see those leads, I would get the best leads. So there were thousand leads that drop off. I could tag the top 10, and they were now mine. Um, so I did that. And also there's a gym and a shower and a sauna there. So it was, I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, lift, I'm going to sauna, I'm going to get in the shower, I'm going to swoop up all the leads, I'm going to have a nice breakfast. And then at the end of the day, I would stay until everyone left because I didn't want them to know I was sleeping in a tent. So I would wait till everyone left. So that automatically made me first in last out every day. Um, That lasted for a few months. And, uh, until the CEO of the company came in and walked directly to my desk and said, we need to have a talk. He said, he asked if I was homeless and I'm like, I'm homeless by design. Um, and the design is if I can do, if I can be the first person here and the last person out, if I can still work out, if I can still eat right, if I can get the right leads and make the right calls all day long, if I use the energy 
that I'm living in this, uh, you know, like cloak of secrecy that I'm doing, I'm going to be infinitely successful here. And I honestly thought I was going to get fired, but uh, I didn't get fired. I got an email that went out to maybe 3000 employees with my picture on it and a picture of my tent that they had taken from the security camera. So um, yeah, not my proudest moment, especially then because I was a new guy and there were people making, you know, whatever millions of dollars a year. And I'm just this guy that's sleeping in a tent outside. So I got praise and, and they didn't, but um, it did teach me, you know, like there's always a way if you think something can happen, there's a way to it. Listen, we, we are a, a society of followers. There's very many, there's very few like Mark Zuckerberg's think about how many followers Mark Zuckerberg has. Right. Or there's very few like elite, elite, elite level thinkers that develop something that goes out and just goes gangbusters. We follow it and then we try to replicate it. So the mindset, that mindset of me going, okay, I'm going to sleep in a tent followed on of wait, what do you mean the leads drop off at 4 a.m.? So then as I'm seeing, now I'm seeing people starting to come in at 4 a.m. And I'm like, listen, guys, this is, this is fantastic. It was great for me in my career because then I had to understand these people weren't working for me. They were actually trying to learn what I was doing. And, and then I was able to teach them and say, listen, this is the guy that the CEO of the company didn't know that that happened. It was a computer, a time in the computer that it happened. And I was like, yeah, this is exactly your process. I can tell. And he's like, I didn't, I didn't know that. I'm like, awesome. Well, now you do. So it's, um, it, it teaches you, you know, obviously discipline. Listen, I didn't want anybody to know that I was sleeping in a tent. I didn't want anybody to know. And the first person that saw me, I would have been completely embarrassed. I mean, I probably wouldn't have, but embarrassed enough to not want to do it anymore. Right. I didn't want them to see me. So I just woke up earlier and earlier and earlier. And I was like, you know what? This is great. So I had, I, I had a budget. Like I would sometimes leave and go get like a six pack of beer and a pizza and sit in my little fold out chair or in the back of my car in my, like right with my tent had the internet and it was, it was fantastic. That's awesome. And it's great. The big cheese appreciated the hustle. Yeah. Everyone else hated it, but (laughs) yeah, I mean the guy, yeah, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, it also helped set the tone for the culture. Like you said, people started coming in earlier. People started taking cues. And I think a lot of people say, you know, we say we're, we want to work. We're hard workers, but are you really willing to work? And are you willing to go the extra mile? And that's actually what it looks like. You put yourself right there, right where you need it to be to set yourself up for success. doesn't guarantee your success, but it raises your chances dramatically. Uh, yeah, absolutely agree. I mean, how many of us say I'm a really hard worker? Everyone, every single person in their life says I'm a hard worker. Uh, what, are your, what are your character traits? I'm a really hard worker. Are you? And then the establishment of what hard work is. I mean, I, I believe that many people don't even understand it. They don't understand what actual hard work is. And this doesn't, this doesn't come from athletics. It doesn't come from business. It comes from, like, have you done really hard things in your life? Maybe, maybe you're struggling with religion. That could be a really hard thing. Maybe you're struggling with learning a language. Very hard thing. Maybe it's athletics. Maybe it, but did you, one, and notice this is a very hard thing to do. And then to succeed in completing said hard thing, right? And if you can do that, 
like your mind is already turned on to saying, yeah, I'm a hard worker because I've done it before and I can do it again. Every time it gets a little bit easier, just a little bit, or maybe you get a little bit smarter. Um, but yeah, the, you know, this, this idea of embracing hard work, I think a vast majority of the, of not the company of the, of the world doesn't know what that is. If you want hard work, go work on my parents' farm and bale hay in the middle of the summer. That's hard. I promise you, you won't like it. Um, go wrestle in college, go try to learn, you know, multiple languages em em embrace religion. If you've never been there, those are hard things. And uh, if you've never lived it, if you've never done it, if you kind of floated through life, then I don't, I don't believe that they understand what hard work is. And if you can get to the point in your life that you understand the amount of effort that I put in directly result or directly relates to my results in some capacity, then that's great. The harder you work, the better you'll be. Even if you don't succeed the first time, you understand the process of hard work. So that's, uh, yeah. I mean, most people are soft too. I mean, there's that. <laughs> that's definitely true. We're in an instant society. You get everything at the snap of a finger. Yep, absolutely. Delivery, instant popcorn, instant oatmeal, whatever you want, it's right there. For three yeah. payments in 1995. <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, yeah. Every you, you said it right. Everything is right now. I can get anything I want. I, everything's at the everything is at everyone's touch of our hands. If you need, I, listen. If I, I mean, Amazon is two days, one day, sometimes an hour. You know, and it, it, it's crazy. If I can get anything, like if I want a fifty-five gallon drum of suntan oil, I can get it, and it's not that hard. It, it's it's so crazy, but. Um, did I work hard to get it? No, I just put my credit card in, man. It's fine. So yeah, we'll, we'll get there. I think the, the softening, there's this, th there is this balance. There's a softening of society in general where people are just getting a little bit too soft. But I think that there's another portion of society which are absolutely rising and they're embracing this idea of, yeah, okay. While, while everyone wants to remain soft or chooses to, or is just doing that. Um, there's a group of society that's saying, no, no, it's time to execute. It's time to go now, right now. And when you get to that point, you, you look back and go, oh, wow, that, that wasn't really as hard as I thought it was, but it seemed hard at the time, right? Listen, when you're cutting weight and you're sitting in the sauna, you're completely dehydrated, you're getting out, you're putting your plastics on, you think, honestly think you're going to die. Like that's hard when you get done. And now I'm looking back 20, 25 years later, guess what? It wasn't that hard. Now I do it for fun and people think I'm an idiot, but it's, um, it's cause you understand what that effort was, what it took. And then, and then you grew from it. Makes a lot of sense. You're building virtue along the way you start identifying yourself as a person who seeks the challenge that is willing to do hard things, not taking the easy way out, but also like you touched on, it's not just the hard work. It's, it's both working hard and smart. You know, a lot of people say work smarter, not harder, but they use that more as an excuse to not grind. But you're not right. saying that. You're saying it's both and. It's not either or. You don't have to pick. Or if you're going to pick anything, pick both. Work hard and work smart. Talk a little bit about that working smart. What would be some of the recommendations that you would say for a high school kid, a college kid who's looking to set themselves up for success in the business world, in corporate America, in sales, what jobs should they be looking at? What practical things should they be doing? How do they gain experience? 
because we know our education at school is limited, right? So we're going to have to be hungry on our own and chase down opportunities. What would you recommend for them? Um, absolutely ask questions and get multiple, multiple mentors. Uh, I mean, without question, your parents, they probably know some successful people. You probably know some, some supremely successful people. Ask them questions. There, there is no greater stroke of ego than someone coming up to you and saying, I've seen what you're doing and you're really successful. I want to become you. Like that, that's the best thing that someone can say to you, right? Like I'm uh, an NFL player. I want to be an NFL player. As much as they hear it, I want to be an NFL player. They don't want to be the kicker. Go to the kicker and say, I've watched you. I've studied you. I want to be you, right? So, and it may not be the most supremely successful people that you ask. It may be the people that you look at and say, this is a guy who's worked in a job for 30 years as a welder. He's a fantastic welder. And maybe I don't want to be a welder, but let me ask you something. How would you do the same thing for 30 years, day after day after day after day, and still feel good about what you're doing? Like, that's a, that's a weird conversation to have. But I think from a high school perspective, then going into college, you know, when I went to college, we had very little guidance, very little of what it meant to be an 18 year old kid leaving home. And out. now I have no guy, I have academic counselors. I have my professors, I have my wrestling coaches, my strength trainers, my nutritionists. I had all of that, but I didn't have anybody other than the other guys I wrestled with who were a couple of years older than me to say like, what's life mean? What does this mean? I have my parents, but I don't always want to ask them. I mean, I always use this and this is probably a horrible, horrible thing, but the first time you get arrested, who do you call? You don't want your parents to know. You don't want your coaches to know. You don't want your academic advisors to know. You don't want the school to know. You don't know what to do. Who do I call? I call my mentor or the, my teammates or whatever. And you getting arrested is a bad situation. But guess what? Some of them have probably been there, right? And they can talk you through this and leaning on your resources to say, I don't know all the answers. I don't know all the, I, I don't know really anything. Listen, if you're 18 years old going to college, you've never done that before. I promise you, you've not done it, right? So you don't know anything. You're a blank slate asking, you know, the older guys on your team or girls on your team, asking them, how do I get a little bit better? How do I manage my class, my, my course load? How do I do these things? And then transitioning into, into maybe business world or, or your professional life is your academic advisor's job is to get you through school. That's their job. They don't care what you do later on. They want you to graduate. Your coaches look at graduation percentage. Did you graduate? Yeah, okay, good, I'm good. My job is secure, I got these guys through school. But really it's looking out and, and finding, or, or maybe asking, you know, what do you do for a living? I, I tell my team now, like go take adult field trips. I think it's the most, most amazing thing you can do. You're 21, 22 years old, you don't wanna do, go start taking field trips. Call somebody and say, you sell insurance, fantastic. Can you, can, can I sit with you for a day or two or a week? Don't pay me. I just want to learn what you do. I sell online, uh, online things, right? What does that mean? I mean, like I could talk to people for days about what, how this whole thing, this dynamic works, or I want to get in banking, go sit with a banker, call a bank and say, I want to try to learn something. Would you mind? Most places will say, absolutely come in. If they don't have to pay you, because then, listen, they get to perform. They get a peacock in front of you and say, 
here's, here's what I, you know, here's how great my business is and how great I am. And, and look at this car, you know, like whatever, man. I, I think that that's probably the, the, the biggest step is, is coming from high school to college to being an adult in professional life is understanding one, you don't know the answers Two, there are a lot of people that do or have been in the same situation as you. And then asking them questions and being completely humble about it. You listen, you could be a four-time national champ in wrestling and go out and maybe you don't want to wrestle anymore. And you go in and you sell insurance. Maybe that's what you do. You might get kicked in the teeth. You've never, you haven't been kicked in the teeth in four years, but now all of a sudden it's really hard. You have to experience a little bit of heartache and heartache or being humble about that is, I don't know the answers. Let me ask. And, and getting as many mentors as you can. Um, and then reading, pick up a book. It, it's going to be good. It's going to be good for you. You know, there's tons of podcasts. There's tons of things you can listen to, but actually sit down and get a book and read. Um, it, whatever genre, it doesn't matter. But I think that that's a huge thing that people can do. And then journaling would be the follow on to that. Write about your day, write about what you did, write about how you feel good, bad, and ugly, um, but be brutally honest with yourself. And if you can do that, listen, most people live our lives like we're, we're going to lie to ourselves every day. I love my wife. I love my family. I love this and that and the other. Of course you do. Everybody does, right? But do you? And then did you put the time to make sure that your your wife or your kids or your dogs know that you love them, right? And, and then that that works, to say, to say something is one thing, to do something is something else. Um, act and ask questions. That, that's tremendous. Great advice. So many great things you touched on there. Um, I think the, thinking about the mindset, what, get, what gets a lot of people hung up where maybe they say, well, I'm not that extroverted. I'm a lot quieter. Um, speaking up, picking up the phone, like you said, and sometimes calling random people, like a cold call scares the daylights out of a lot of people. Yeah. Or just asking, hey, can I, can I shadow you? Or even asking for a mentor. Just asking becomes that, that mental hurdle for people to overcome. Um, and again, like you said, you need to be a hustler. You need to be a go-getter. And you need to be ferocious. Just like in sports, you need to be aggressive. You have to bring that aggressiveness. And of course, done respectfully and politely and with tact and care. Yeah. But making sure that you apply that aggressiveness to your career. So what would you say would be some of the things maybe you tell yourself or some of the things you'd recommend someone who maybe is not as outgoing? How do they get over that hump? What do you recommend they do? So I, um, up until the time I was maybe 30 years old, complete introvert. I had a group of friends in college. I didn't want to speak to anybody else. And I'm talking like no one else. Um, I went into the military and when I was I was in the Marine Corps and that kind of brought it out a little bit where it was like, okay, you have to step up and tell people what to do for the first time in my life. And then secondarily, um, holding myself accountable, like if this doesn't get done, listen, if the private or Lance Corporal or PFC doesn't get it done, it falls on my shoulders um, and I'm going to have to answer to somebody. So I would say for the vast majority of my life, I've been supremely introverted and even at this time now, I would say I'm an introverted person. I work from home by myself. I've done that for years. I, I'm on the phone and whatever, but I can turn it on. If I need to be flamboyant or extrovert, like I can absolutely do it. Um, the, it it's almost like acting, it, like putting yourself in role, right? Like to the point where I'm going to make a cold call. 
okay, I don't know who I'm calling, what I'm gonna say, I'm just gonna pick up the phone and dial. The hardest thing is not talking. We can all communicate. The hardest thing is actually dialing the number and then the, the time that it takes for them to hear the ring and then answer the phone. And then it's, hi, how are you? Um, I would get really good at introducing myself, would be probably one of the best things. Hi, my name is, nice to meet you, how are you? These little things. Um, you'd be amazed at how hard it is to say, hi, my name is Butch Hildebrand, I'm from Temecula, California, so on and so forth. If I hadn't done that a gajillion times, right? Um, funny as it sounds, you know, meeting, uh, meeting the girl, the guy of your dreams, hard to do. Go talk to the girl or go talk to the guy. Why? Really hard. Um, really, really hard. But until you do it enough that it like becomes second nature, um, you won't do it. Whether you're going to go into business, whether you want to be a doctor, like, listen, if I'm going to be a, or a surgeon, right? My first surgery is probably going to be very scary, but I've practiced that thousands of times. Still going to be very scary, but I've practiced. Um, the first time I shot a double leg, probably very scary. I probably got thrown on my head. I can't remember. But my point is, at some point in time, it becomes second nature. For me to go out and introduce myself or speak in front of, you know, four or 500 people, no problem now. I love it. I embrace it because I've done it with a group of one, a group of two. But I've done it in the mirror probably a thousand times before that. The, the best thing you can do, I think, is get really good at introducing yourself and then maintaining the conversation through questions. Meaning, tell me about what you do. Do you like it? Do you not like it? I still do it today with my, with my team. They, they're like, Butch, why do you ask these questions? It doesn't pertain to what we're doing. I'm like, nope. I'm just, I'm just getting a better feel for the conversation. Are they soft in delivery? Are they brash? Are they extremely confident? Are they unsure? And then I can evaluate that conversation or that person and say, all right, this is the step that I need to take to be able to communicate effectively with them. So, you know, it's, it's listening, it's, it's being humble in approach, but confident at the same time. You should be able to walk up, shake someone's hand, look them in the eye, and then introduce yourself properly. And if you can't do that, start doing that today, like right now, and do that as many times as you can. Go home, write about it. I introduced myself to 14 people today or whatever. The only problem that I see with all of this is, you know, there's a thing called social media that's out there. And it's very easy to introduce yourself without doing any thought and any work. Um, go, go get out in front of people. I mean, it's a little bit difficult with COVID now, but you can still introduce yourself many, many times. You get a phone call or you connect with somebody, say it on LinkedIn. Fantastic. Let's set up a phone call. Cool. Let's go meet in person. That's actually how we connected, right? It was, it was LinkedIn, then a phone call or some text or whatever. Some and like, all right, let's go have lunch. Fantastic lunch, by the way. Thank you. It was amazing. But yeah, I mean, no, you're right. You're right on. It's the start that stops most people. So I think just getting yourself to the point where you know how to make that introduction or how to make that transition from, you know, social media or a text message to an actual phone call or a Zoom conversation. Yeah. That's a big thing. So if you practice it over and over, just getting a lot of reps, you're comfortable doing it. Like you said, even public speaking, the hardest thing, it's the start that's the hardest part. Because once you get on a roll, you just keep talking until you think of something to say. You know? Right. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it can, be, it can be very, I mean, listen, say we're going to talk about business. Okay. 
we might have an hour long conversation and business might come up at the last five minutes. It might be like, how's your family? How, you know, how's your dogs? What'd you do? How's your workouts going? How's this and then the other? All right. So at the end of the day, we have to get to this. It's funny you mentioned public speaking. There's a guy, Ryan Kasanik, and he was a diver at Indiana when I was there wrestling. And he was in my very first college class and it was public speaking. It was like whatever P like P one twenty one or something it was called. So public speaking and that dude showed up in a speedo and gave a speech. And I was like, he, he blew my mind, but he's a diver. He's used to being a speedos, totally confident. And the speech was basically the approach to, to diving off a springboard. And he walked us through that in a speedo. And I was like, that dude's the man. Like, I would never do that. Like, there's really hot girls in here, and you're not the most attractive guy. Wow. Um, but the confidence that he had in that wasn't what anybody was thinking about him or really what he was saying. His delivery, the fact that he came in a Speedo and did it, he had their attention like that. Anything that he said, we were all just nodding our heads like, yep, that's perfect, whatever. Like, the guy crushed it. And then you think about that, it was like, that amount of confidence wasn't, wasn't him being a public speaker. It was the number of times that he's done an approach off of a three meter springboard. He knew it. He didn't have to think about it. And then you get the same way with introductions. If it's something that's mindless to you that you don't have to think about, then you, it, it will just flow. You know, there's a guy, you, you probably know Mike Powell. He's a, he's an Illinois guy, um, coach at OPRF for a while, runs Beat the Streets Chicago now. Very, very good friend of mine. And Mikey's like, hey, Butchie. Like, that's just how he is, right? And he's like, he's like, how's, the ki- how's, your, how's your family? Fantastic. How's your parents? He knows them very well. Fantastic. Thanks. Mike has a bunch of learning disabilities. He doesn't say that, but he does. And part of it is that is his time for his ba- brain to process. Whether I say my family all died in a, pra- in a plane crash last night or not, that's him building in a little bit of time to get back into the conversation. So if you're nervous, have your standby. How are you? How's your family? Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. Or that's fantastic. You know, like depending on their answer, building in a set of questions that you're going to ask every single time. And it's never by name. It's like, how's the girl? The girl is, could be my wife or my daughter. Like, I don't know. Or my dog. Like how, like it is one of the, and, and he did, he, I talked to him about that and he does a lot of public speaking now. And he goes, listen, my story that I tell, I've told it a thousand times. I can tell it without thinking about it. He goes, still the hardest thing for me is like, even that approachable, like, can I be, can I approach somebody? And then when I can, can I carry the conversation on? If we have 10 minutes to chat, we'll chat for 10 minutes. If I have one objective, I have 10 minutes to get to it. If I get to it in the first minute, that doesn't mean I end the conversation. It means I continue the conversation for 10 minutes. If I have 10 minutes, use them. Use them wisely. Learn and elicit as much information as possible so that the next conversation is now a 20 or 30 or 40 minute conversation. It's, it's growth and, and growth mindset really to say, how am I going to grow this relationship and how is it going to evolve into business? And or am I going to be better at teaching because I asked my students, how's your family? How's everything going? That's a very, very important question. It shows that you care. And if then if you can relate it, it shows that you're empathetic. And honestly, it gains trust. And if you have trust, you can be confident in that communication. 
and then amazing things can happen. And loaded with information, that's phenomenal because like you said, even from a tactical or utilitarian point of view, you wanna have the canned material. You wanna have certain questions that you go to that you don't even have to think, it's right there. It's just, it's just ingrained. We also know that I think it's, it's at the seven and a half or eight and a half minute mark, if you keep them on the phone that long, your, your percentages of closing that sale go way up, right? But beyond the tactics, beyond the tactics and the utilitarianism, is actually the, the deeper person that you're dealing with. When you're asking questions, you're caring about them. When you're following up with questions, you're showing that you're listening. It's not just about me, me, me. It's, it's not, look at me, here I am. It's, hey, there you are, look at you. You're special. I'm concerned about you. So of course it is the utility and the tactics, but more than that, it's just being real with the people, being a, being a human, right? Relating yeah. to them on a, on, a, on a deeper level than just, just going cutting straight to business. Important. Yeah, it's, um, it's, a, it's a crazy thing. You know, I, I tell people all the time, like I study maps and, and I don't really study maps. I study like maybe map results or lo- um, say you're from Olathe, Kansas. I've been to Olathe, Kansas a few times, but I also know there's a car dealership that says, come on out and see us in Olathe. I know that that's a thing because I was in Kansas City one time and I heard it. And so I, I said, where are you from? And they're like, the odd chance that somebody says I'm from Olathe, Kansas. And, and I say, come on out and see us one time in Olathe. I have them. It's done right now. If I'm on a, if I'm on a call or a Zoom call and I'm speaking to somebody and I'm like, oh, it was like, just happened. The girl's from Ireland. I said, what county are you from? And she said, I'm from County Cary. And I was like, I was like, oh, are you from Killarney? And she was like, oh, my goodness. Yes. I said, I was, a, I was in the 4th of July parade two years ago. And she's like, what? Like mind blown. So that's a true story. Now I can do the same story, which isn't so true. I could have never been in a 4th of July party or parade in Killarney. I could have never known where the County Kerry was in Ireland, the, the West of Ireland, but I can also pull up a map and said, County Kerry. Okay. There's Killarney. Okay. Killarney real quick. As I'm speaking, if I have access to a computer, especially in this online environment, I can pull up a map and look at it. Ask them about like, what's, Things to do in Killarney, Ireland, 4th of July. Boom. Tell me about the 4th of July. What's going on with that? And then how? Like, I have a friend that went there and told me about it. They're never going to know who the friend is. They aren't. They're never going to ask deep questions about the friend. They're just going to be excited to talk about themselves, right? Could be with anything. I follow wrestling stats a lot right now. I like to know where the guys are from. And you're like, okay, where is um, is so-and-so from? Like it actually happened with a guy, Scott Norton. He's fantastic. He was an All-American at Oregon. I think he was the first All-American from the state of Alaska. And he's from Homer, Alaska. And if you know anything about Homer, Alaska, which I absolutely did not, there's a girl singer, Jewel, is from Homer, Alaska. And I was like, dude, did you go to school with Jewel? The first time I met him, he he was from Homer, Alaska. I literally looked up Homer, Alaska, learned about him, knew I was going to run back into Scott and said, I was like, homie, let me ask you, did you go to school with Jewel? And he was like, Bro, everybody asked me that. But then he started talking about Homer, Alaska and Kodiak Island and all these places. And all I'm doing is looking at map dots and saying, hey, have you ever, and maybe it's not the same town, it might be a neighboring town. What what town are you from in New Jersey? Edison. Edison. Is that North Jersey or South Jersey? North. North Jersey. So you're more city than, or more New York City than Philadelphia. Like, do you know, where is, how close are you to Glen Ridge? Glen Ridge, like 30 minutes. Okay, so. Joe Dubuque. 
Right. I, I mean, that's Joey's my buddy, but I just did it. I would do that over and over and over. How close are you? If you're from Dallas or like that, like Arlington or Fort Worth or where, why? I look at maps for that reason and that reason alone. And I try to associate or at least get to the point where I understand where they're from. Cool. You're from Dallas. Are you from Arlington? Are you from Fort Worth? Are you from Grapevine? Where is it? Why? Listen, I've been to Dallas like a handful of times. I don't know where those places are, but then they say, no, no, I'm on, I'm right off the 35W, like whatever. Like, awesome, man. What a cool city. And then I stopped talking and they go, yeah, I love my city. I was at, I was at stockyards. We went dancing at Billy Bob's. We did da, 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 da. I'm like, fantastic dude. Next time in Dallas, I'm going to drink Dr. Pepper and eat Whataburger. And that's it. And they're like, I'm in, right? Like it's establishing this relationship but it works and it works really, really well. Um, so would be the other thing of advice, pick up a map and start learning places and then be able to relate to that, right? So that, I just said it with you, Addison. Well, how close is that to Glen Ridge? Dude, I don't know where Glen Ridge is. I have no idea. <laughs> like, I know Joey's from there, but um, yeah, I don't know. And then if it's South Jersey, I'm going to be like, oh, so that's near Philly, like Camden area, Camden, New Jersey, that's around there, right? Yeah. Okay, cool. I used to deliver pickles to Camden, New Jersey. Did you? No, but who knows? Right. And they're like, what? They're like, yeah, it's a long story. I broke her freight. What it is, what it is. But uh, yeah, that's another little trick. Find a map and get really good at it. I, I like that because one of our top salesmen in our business and winning mindset, Mike Moore, you probably know him as mindset, Mike, but he's, he actually spoke about that. But then when you're reaching out to coaches, cause obviously we're reaching out to a lot of coaches on a regular basis find out where they're from, say a little something about where they're, they're from, and, and not just send maybe one text message, but break it up into two text messages, following up with something about where they're from, who's near them, or what's going on near them. So I'm going to look at this, this conversation today as a big confirmation to that and for me to pick up my game with that. Yeah, it's, it's, it's absolutely amazing. If you can relate to somebody, they'll continue to talk. If they continue to talk, as you said, at seven and a half minutes, now you're establishing something. And listen – if you, if you take the time out of your day to establish something with somebody, you either want something or need something, right? Um, there's five reasons that people buy things. It's pride, profit, fear, need, and love. So pride, profit, fear, need, and love. Those are the five reasons that people buy things. And I can break it down as to why I think that, but they either buy it out of pride, like what, I'm, like I got my new Lambo, right? <laughs> or I, I love fast cars, so I bought a Lambo. I needed a nice, reliable car, so I got a Lambo. Like, I can run it through on every single one, but until you understand what their buying motive is or why they're even talking to you, then you don't know. So the longer that you talk, the more questions you ask, the more comfortable they will be about giving information to you. And when they give that information, you can understand why they're even speaking to you in the first place. If you can get there, you can have a conversation that will last you know, forever because you're establishing trust and rapport with these people. That's great. So much, so much great information there. Now, do you normally just Google the town or do you have certain sites that you go to more than others? I mean, now at this, at this point in time, honestly, I've, I, I think I'm pretty good at it. Like I travel a ton. I've been in, I, I've not been to Idaho. It's the only place, but even that I've never been to Idaho, but I can tell you about Idaho. There's Pocatello, there's Boise, there's Idaho Falls, but there's also a town called Jerome, Idaho. And I didn't know that, but I met a guy from Jerome, Idaho. His name was Ty Matthews, very, very good wrestler. And uh, I think he 
drives around in a, on a four-wheeler looking at birds or something. But he wrestled at Indiana, so I was a teammate with him there. And then he went to Nebraska and, and did his graduate work there. But PhD, and I, I just mentioned yesterday because he taught me how to make a bacon, lettuce, and tomato sandwich, which I made for my daughter for the first time ever yesterday, and she's 14. So, yeah, it's every story. I've never been to Idaho, but I can talk about it forever, right? I don't, I don't know why it works, but the more I start to do this, the better I get it. Where are you from? I'm not great internationally, but if you're in the United States, I can pick out a spot and go, okay, cool. There's a really good wrestler from there or a really good football player from there. Basketball, track and field star, gymnast, diver, whatever it is. And then you're like, oh, listen, if it's 30, 40 minutes away, at least your name association with their town and, and whatever. Like, I know nobody in West Texas, but everyone's seen Friday Night Lights and they know Midland and Odessa and Permian. They know these. And if not, look them up and say, dude, Texas football, tell me about it. <laughs> and they go. And then they're like, they, then they spend a half an hour talking about Texas football. And you're like, I don't really care anything about Texas football, but I appreciate that. You know, you just nod your head and smile and go, that, that's pretty awesome. So now what are we talking about here? Now, no, that's, that's, that's phenomenal. No, it's great because we talked about some deeper level structures of the mindset. And we also hit on some things that are just super practical, really down to earth and simple things that anyone could really be doing. So I just think that's tremendous. We packed a lot of punch into a short amount of time. <laughs> you know what? This, this mindset thing, though, my mindset is driven on the research I've done from maps. As crazy as that sounds. I mean, obviously the wrestling and training and the military and business and all this stuff, but it is maps. Um, how did I get there? I started looking, I opened a map, man, started looking at it. But, but this feeds into confidence. Every single person I speak to for the, maybe not everyone, 99% of them, I'm going to be able to re- relate to something that they've done in their life, whether it be geographically, whether it be professionally, whether it be in their relationships, their religion, whatever, I'm going to be able to relate to them. So my mindset walking in every single time is I'm already winning. I already got the first takedown. I already have it. Right? I'm up. I'm up 2-0. What's the percentage of first takedown winners? It's it's ridiculous. So I'm walking in knowing every conversation on first takedown. Got it. Now what? Are you, <laughs> you know, and it, it's it's fun. It becomes a game. You know, I mean, listen, life is a, life is a big game when we're, we're doing the best we can. We just really are. Or are yeah. we? Can we do a little right. bit better? Can we get the first takedown? Every conversation you have, if you walk up, extend your hand and say, hi, my name is Butch Hildebrand. It's great to meet you. How's your family? I'm winning. I got the first takedown. That, I got a 2-0 lead every time. And it's fun. Awesome. And it ties That's into awesome. c- controlling a conversation. But everything you do is structured. My approach is the same almost every single time. Why? Why not? I'm a hugger. I go in for the boom, bear hug right away. Why? I want them to be a little bit uncomfortable. I got the first takedown again, right? And the, 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 I love what you guys are doing with mindset and this, the training. I, I, when we first spoke and you broke this down, like the structure and the process, I was like, dude, this is amazing. It is, I mean, your obviously educational background feeds into this, but I asked you about your family and how you got to that point. And I was like, this is fantastic. And this is fantastic on a massive level. Because not too many people can, can really like put structure behind why they're doing something. 
And it's actually taken, for me, it's made me take a step back and say, why am I, why do I have this process and structure almost every single time? And you guys have actually put it, put it to curriculum, which is, it literally blows my mind. It's so awesome. Awesome. Thank you. Well, it's a, it's a, it's a great confirmation when we hear you saying that you've been putting these things into effect. A lot of the stuff that we're saying, you're actually going out there and doing it. And like I said, so much information you gave. I hope everyone watching this is there with the pen and paper taking notes because there were so many gold nuggets of information. How do we send more people your way? Where do they find you? I'm all over the place. Um, probably, uh, LinkedIn is probably the easiest. Um, I'm, I'm pretty easy to find there. Butch Hildebrand, uh, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, Telegram, very big on Telegram. That's part of my world. Um, any, anything like that. If you send me an email, I probably won't check it. Um, and if you want me to text you, just, I'll give you gladly give him my number. I don't care. It doesn't bother me anyway. So, um, yeah, LinkedIn's the best, best first stop. Um, and, and if not, I'll send you my number and feel free to pass it on. I'll, I'll talk to anybody, especially, especially the young, the kids, the, the high school kids, the college kids that are really looking and anybody that's in, in mode of career change or looking, looking at themselves at 30 years old going, what the heck am I doing, man? What am I doing with my life? All right, well, let's evaluate your life. Let's start here and have hard conversations. Those hard conversations lead to hard answers. And then we can correct bad habits through process. I don't own the process. You own the process. And I'm really, really thankful that you do. Awesome stuff. The great Butch Hildebrand. Excellent information. Always a pleasure being with you. Always a lot of fun. We'll have to do it again. Thanks a lot. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.